Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Very sweet time of worship this morning, wasn't it? God led us into a real wonderful place there. And I want to mention, you, you saw the guitarist here, uh, it's Randy Fahrenholtz, Randy's a special friend of ours. He's, he's led worship here at Val- Valley for uh, many years, coming to help us. And uh, <clears throat> just to let you know, he finished his first CD, and uh, he's so excited about it. We're excited for him, and uh, did an excellent job. It's a, called Resound, and it's a live recording, and uh, it's fantastic worship. And we actually have a copy of that in our bookstore. You can check that out and uh, get yourself, grab yourself a copy. All right, well, we want to begin the year by really doing two parts here. And of course, this month we're going to be talking about prayer, we're going to be talking about fasting, we're going to be talking about many things to kind of just kind of start the year in, in the right, on the right foot, as they say. And so really next week I'm going to talk about going forward, I'm going to talk about vision, I'm going to talk about what it is that God is speaking to us, what we're planning. And, uh, but today I want to just kind of set things in order, and I want to talk about forgetting our past. I want to talk about how we can move past the past, and what I call a biblical way to evaluate your 2016. And so, let's look at that. Of course, we're going to begin the month with prayer and fasting, and, and it's interesting that, that, as some articles that I read recently, that there's evidence, clear medical evidence, that when we starve our body, when we fast that your cells do something very unique. You would think that they, they're in there just crying and rubbing their eyes, you know, as they're struggling. But what they do is they kind of say, okay, you're not going to give us food. That's fine. We're going, it signals the body to basically say it's time to clean house. And so the cells, we actually begin to turn inside and begin to slough off toxins. They begin to kind of clean and, and work and do something that's very unique. So what they're finding is that actually the body is designed to fast and to literally go without for a season of time so that the body can actually kick in and do some very powerful things. You know, I'm going to talk more about that next week, but I just wanted to just motivate you a little bit to see that not only is there biblical effect of the biblical truth that, that encourages us to fast. We know Jesus did, and Jesus said, look, when I go, there'll be, that'll be a time for prayer and fasting, to seek the heart of God. <clears throat> if you've got questions, if you've got challenges, if, you've got, if you're looking toward this 2017 kind of wondering, okay, what does God have next? Everything from just wanting the heart of God to all the way to um, you've got a, you need a miracle, you need a breakthrough. Often prayer and fasting is exactly what you need to be doing. And so not only is there a medical benefit, but there's a spiritual benefit. And so, so many things take place. Most of the most powerful things in my life have taken place as a result of prayer and fasting. Breakthroughs that I've had, revelations that I've received, very, very powerful things. And so I want to encourage you to jump in on this. Don't just, oh, I could never do that. I could never, I work. Hey, look, you know, everybody does, but there's, there's, there's ways that you can do this and participate. And I say, as I said, you're not going to die. Now, one thing's for sure, you know, if you do have medical conditions, you might want to check with your doctor on how you can do that. Always encourage that. But uh, I encourage you 
to, to look at that. Of course, it's not always the most popular thing to start talking about prayer and fasting after a time of feasting that we just went through. But on the other hand, it's exactly the time to really talk about fasting because that's a wonderful time to just really now begin to say, okay, Lord, what is it you want to do in this coming year? All right, so now that we've established that, let me read from Philippians chapter 3, 12 through 14, which will be my primary text, and then I'll share really what I call four steps to a proper perception when we think of our 2016. Look what Paul says in Philippians 3. Not that I have already obtained all of this. Paul is talking about the wonderful accomplishments that he experienced not only as a Pharisee, which we'll look at later, but the things that he's accomplished as an apostle, as just being a humble servant of God, and the things that he's still looking forward to. So he says, not that I've obtained all of this, or have already arrived at my goal, which is a real time of self-awareness to say, I didn't achieve all that I wanted to achieve in 2016. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. And that's saying a lot for Paul, who had access to incredible amounts of revelation and truth, wrote half the New Testament by the revelation of God. He says, but one thing I do, Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Earlier, as Jesus was teaching, he said this, and this is a little starker, a little stronger, but he said, no one who puts his hand to the plow, looks back, is fit for service in the kingdom of God. He's basically saying, what we're getting the impression is that looking back is not always the best idea. And so let's look at that. To getting a proper perception of our future, to be able to look ahead. Next week we're going to talk about looking ahead. But today I want to talk about how do we get past some of the thoughts when we think of 2016. Because it's interesting because when you do think of the new year, the first thing that we think of is often, okay, what didn't happen last year? What were my struggles? As a matter of fact, as we went around as a family on New Year's Eve and we were kind of sharing, we, we took a good long time for everybody to just kind of talk about what it is that God did for them in the last year. And most of us, what we did is we came up with all the struggles that we had first. And 2016, I mean, you know, on a chart, <laughs> scale of 1 to 10, it was a pretty tough year, right? Election year, a lot of lost friendship, a, lot of, a whole lot of unfriending went on, on out there. But <clears throat> it's time to move past that, right? So here are four quick steps to a proper perception when we think of our past. Number one, we've got to remember that failure is not fatal, okay? Failure is not fatal to a person of faith, that is. You know, in, 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 you know, in the world and in ourselves, maybe if you're a perfectionist, when it comes to the idea of failure, a lot of times we just want to give up. We just want to sit down. We just want to say, I don't want to play anymore. We just say, I'm going to leave. I'm going to step out. Stop going to church. You know, I don't want to be a hypocrite. A hypocrite is kind of the, often the, the lie that comes into our heart, and we just, just give up. But look, for a person of faith, what we find, what is, what is true, is that failure is not fatal at all. Matter of fact, failure is somewhat guaranteed. So if you had some failures in this past year, well, guess what? Welcome to humanity. 
Welcome to being a person who's trying to move forward in God. Welcome to being a person who is discovering who you really have created to be and discovering, you know, new layers of need inside you. Okay? You know, and we launch out in certain things. And, and, and sometimes we discover, yes, those were uh, not the best decisions that we made. Look at that in a second. But we've got to understand that failure is not fatal. We cannot give up. I love the illustration. It's kind of a little bit of a joke, but it's about the guy who swam across the English Channel. He got halfway across, and he decided he couldn't make it, so he swam back. Yeah. And that's the way some of us really live our lives, is that we get out there and we just say, well, I don't think I can do this, and yet we go on to use life energy. We go on to use our resources for something else that we really could have continued to use for God, but we gave up because... Well, because of our, our soul, because of, you know, sometimes loneliness, sometimes just the struggle, just sometimes we don't like feeling like we're failures. But the truth is, the, the closer you get to God, the more you're going to realize just how much it's not about you, my friend. It isn't about us. And yet we're conditioned in this world to think that we're number one and that we should always be feeling good, that we should always feeling a sense of accomplishment. And yes, those things are good, and God wants us to experience those from time to time, but not without the understanding that it comes as a result of being submitted and surrendered to him. Which means the glory that we feel is like gum. We chew on it. We get the flavor, and then you spit it out. The glory is not ours. We can enjoy what it is to be made for the glory of God, but it's not my glory. It's not something that I revel in or relish. It's for the glory of God, isn't it? My successes. And sometimes the failures we receive or experience are because of that very thing right there, that God is after our motives. I found the funny thing about motives is, you know, you can't. It's, it's, it's you know, like belly buttons, right? Everybody's got one, or I guess most of us. But anyway, you know, everybody's got a motive, and it's not my job to figure that out. It's the glory of kings, as, as Proverbs tells us. That's really God's job. And often what comes out is God revealing, exposing our motives, and so as a result, sometimes we experience a little bit of failure or not achieving what we'd hoped, and God just says, he comes alongside us, and he's, you know, he wants to just point out, look, the reason why is because you weren't listening to me or that I, I knew what you were going to do with this. I knew you were going to take this for yourself. I knew you were going to use this for your own glory. I knew that, that you were going to, going, to, going to spend this kind of like the prodigal son. And so God gets in our way. And so failure is not to be a fatal thing. It is supposed to be a learning experience. It's supposed to be the building block. It's supposed to be something that God wants to use in our story, our testimony. So that's the first step. Number two we got to go low to grow. got to go low to grow. Godly sorrow positions our past in a way that we learn and grow. Worldly sorrow, sorrow only entrenches us deeper into the lies. Let me show you what this means here in 2 Corinthians 7. Paul, again, is writing to the church in Corinth. He says, godly sorrow. Well, let me give you the historical background here real quickly. And that is, Paul is rebuking the church. He's rebuking. 
The church in Corinth has a lot of problems. And he's basically saying, look, I wrote you a letter and I rebuked you pretty strongly. At first, it kind of hurt me that I hurt you. At first, I got wind that you guys were really busted up about how I rebuked you for some of the things you were doing. But I noticed you guys repented and you began to change. And now I'm beginning to realize, you know what? Sometimes a good rebuke goes a long way. So now he writes this. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you? What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. He's saying, I have seen this. This is how you've begun to respond. And he goes, in the end, that's a very good thing. And we can take this verse when we think about 2016, instead of letting it gurgle up and poison our thinking now, begin to realize that any of your struggles, any of your sins, any of the things that distracted you, those things that you look back and just say, man, I never want to think about again, and that's probably a good idea that you don't, but you really don't want to put them to bed or couch them without true godly sorrow, okay? See, worldly sorrow is just saying, man, I feel bad that I got caught. I feel badly that I got hurt and, and you know, this messed me up. And then there's, no, there's nothing that comes of it. See, worldly sorrow says, well, I'm not going to tell anybody about this. And this is going to be something I hide in secret, even from God, which is kind of silly, isn't it? We can't hide anything from God. But Paul is saying here, look, this is what godly sorrow will produce in you. It's going to leave no regret. In, in other words, it's going to be healing to your soul. And it's going to bring an energy. And what does that energy look like? It's going to, be, it's going to produce an earnestness. It's going to be that your want, you're going to say, 2017, here I come. I'm not going to do what I did in 2017. It's an earnestness to do things the right way. And because failure is not fatal, you know you can. You know that God is encouraging you. It's like, you, it's like coming around the track, and, the, and God looks at the timer and says, man, you're way off the pace, instead of saying, well, I'm not going to run ever again. He says, well, wait, 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 wait. No, we're not going to do that. Let's talk about your stride. Let's talk about what you did. I noticed that on turn three, you, you start wandering off the track. Let's deal with that. Because you were born to run, you're born to do this, and I, uh, this is your calling. And so let's get you back on earnestness. What eagerness to clear yourself. He said, you were eager to go and, and, and communicate to me what was right and what was wrong. And go to God and say, well, God, you know, this, was, this happened because of this. And that's working through with diligence. What indignation, what is that? That is kind of not self-hatred, but it's being a little angry at yourself. And that's okay sometimes. That's okay sometimes. An indignation to say, and it's a righteous indignation. Again, it produces an energy that does not create uh, condemnation, but produces conviction. And conviction is healthy. Conviction is good. Condemnation is death. Because see, that's what worldly sorrow produces. Worldly sorrow produces condemnation. Well, I'm no good. Jesus died for everybody else, but it doesn't work for me. And that's death. And that's Satan just standing at the door just saying, man, I got gotcha. you. 
We don't realize, once again, that sin is not our problem. It's just being submitted to him. That's the goal. Because the truth is Jesus died once for all, and our sins are already forgiven and washed. What alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see the justice done, to say, okay, this year, I'm going to get to it. But what I wrote here is go low to, to, to grow. In other words, when you look at your failure, you can't just ignore it. You've got to embrace it. You've got to embrace it. But the beauty is we're all embracing it. There's not one of us here who hasn't failed at some level or another. And so, man, we become, you know, I hate to put it that way, we're, we're part of the failure club. Hey, how you doing? Welcome to the failure club. Good to have you. Well, how do you get in? Just be you. Real easy. But how we deal with failure is so critical. It's humility, my friends. <laughs> humility is the key to it all. I'll tell you what, humility trumps knowledge and wisdom. Humility trumps money and power. Humility trumps everything. When we submit and surrender to God, that is the starting point. That is the launch pad. That is the refilling of your tank, of the kind of energy and power that can vault you, shoot you, right into the heart and the purposes of God. Humility and bro, it's, it's the pride that God resists. See, the, the problem often is we fail because we're trying to do it in our own strength. And you know what? You're going to do it. I do it all the time. And yet when those th different things happen and I begin to see my own struggles and failures, it's, you go right back to just falling on your face before God and just saying, Lord, I give 2016 to you. There were a lot of struggles, but I know that's okay with you. You love me anyway, and let's get busy. Let's keep moving forward. I need you more than I've ever needed you. And, no, and looking at 2016 has made that more evidently clear than even the year before. Number three, don't look back. That's not just a Boston song. It's truth. <laughs> you younger people got no clue, do you? Not a one. That's okay. <sighs> Classic rock band, nothing more. Okay. Don't look back. Not looking back, I grab hold. This is what Paul's saying. Look back at that verse. This is part of his. He says, this is what I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is in. He goes, I press on toward the goal, okay? And so he says, look, the secret to being able to go forward is not looking back. And even Jesus, he points that out. He says, how can you be in the, you know, plowing the furrow and doing a great job with going forward with what you need to do when you're constantly looking back? Because every time you look back, you're going to get off, you're, you're going to create a nasty furrow because you're not focusing. We can't focus on what God has for us this year when we're so, we're continued to be bound up from the past. And so you can't look back. That's what Paul's saying. He said, I'm not going to look back. I can't focus on the fact that I was a murderer. I can't focus on the fact that I destroyed the church, that I was public enemy number one as far as Christendom was concerned. I can't focus on the things maybe he was, maybe he was referring to. I can't focus on my fight with, with Barnabas. That really messed up the whole mission plan. 
can't focus on that. I got to go forward. I, there are churches I got to be planted, places I've got to go, new relationships I've got to build. I can't focus on that. And we don't know the rest of the story on that, but my guess, we do, well, actually, we do it. We got a hint that he was restored to uh, John Mark. And then he fixed it. So we can't, don't, we can't look back, but we got to look forward. We'll talk more about that next week, but I break that up into two things. What are we looking forward to? Two basic ways of looking forward. Number one, look at your, what, well, let me, let me clarify a little more. Looking forward. What did Paul say? I look forward to the thing that he is after me about, the thing that he, he even snatched me out of the world for. He's got a personal uh, purpose for me. So when you think of 2017, you have to lock in with, okay, God's got a goal here. Now, that is very telling to me. I'll tell you, it's so telling to me. And let, let me insert it right here. And that is, folks, that our value system, we need to, re- if we're going to do anything with 2016, it's going to be, okay, what did I do that wasn't kingdom? What did I do that wasn't focused or or putting energy into me becoming what he's called me to be? No, that assumes a couple of huge things. Number one is that you understand what it is the life call for every Christian. Do you understand what your mandate is as a believer that we all have, that we all carry? We all are card-carrying members of the kingdom of God, and we all have a mission. Do you know what that is? And if you don't know what that is, you know, again, failure is not fatal. Nobody's going to beat you up about it. But you really get, need to get to know it. You really need to know it. And, and this will we'll segue into the next point. But you've got to know. And that is to live for Christ in such a way as fruitfulness is your goal, that you're bearing fruit for the kingdom of God in every aspect of your life, in the vocation. What is, you know, how are you bringing salt and light into your workspace? How are you bringing salt and light into your home? How are you bringing salt and light into every aspect of involvement that you have? That's a kingdom of God Christian. And unless you're thinking that way, then more than likely, a lot of what didn't happen in 2016 was right because of that right there. Because what I have found is that God has, owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God has all the riches. God has everything we need to be successful. But he only pours it out into the lives of the people who, have, who, who he understands are going to use his talents for his glory. You ever wonder why your resources squander sometimes? Where they just like, man, I can't keep five bucks in my pocket for nothing. Have you ever wondered why in some cases you just feel like you're, you're, you're like the, the mouse spinning inside? And I guarantee you the reason why is that you're using energy outside the purposes of God. You want that to multiply? You want that to have ex- exponential power? then do what you do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be done to you as well. So when we don't focus on getting my castle in the sky, when I don't focus on getting my, making my mark here on this planet, but I, but I make it my goal to be fruitful for him, God says, not only are you going to be storing up treasures in heaven, but you are going to prosper here. We need to get that. We've got to get that. That's a life call for all. How about a life call for me? That's a specific journey. That's why we're starting this month off with prayer and fasting. In other words, what we got to do is sit down. we got to get on our knees and say, okay, Lord, I know what you called all of us to do. Got it. 
Well, what do you, what's my piece in all of that? Big kingdom, what's my part? If I'm not called to preach and, and, and do what Pastor David does, then what's my part? And the beauty is, there are, man, there are so many things that we have yet to even understand or scratch the surface of. And, and, and I think more of us need to, to, to uh, literally plunder, I mean, what it is that God has for us, to dig into the treasure chest and start pulling out what God has in store for us and begin to pull out and find that thing to say, whoa, this is an opportunity. This is a glory moment. This is something I was made for. And I'm telling you, if you haven't experienced that yet, Press in, man. Make January a year where you say, I'm going to find out what my specific call is. You may uh, feel you have all that you need and are satisfied with your walk, but I write this in my notes. I'm convinced that we experience a leanness. Follow me here, and if you've got the notes, you'll have this. But I'm convinced that we experience a leanness to our souls when we begin to live one-dimensionally. I'll explain this in a minute. We experience a leanness to our souls. What's that? It's just, I feel empty. I feel like I'm missing something. I'm feeling, I mean, we all know what I'm talking about here. It's just like, I, I don't feel good about myself. I don't feel good about where I am. I feel a little confused. I feel like I'm, I'm just walking around in circles. That's a leanness to the soul. When we begin to live one-dimensionally, in other words, we are self-focused. Even our greatest accomplishments can't be relished without sharing it with our Savior. When I'm talking about one-dimensionally is that we begin to drift and we don't have that personal connection with God. That when we're living, we're living in this partnership. We're living in this active, everyday friendship. If you don't have a human friendship, guess what? You've got, you've got God, you've got Jesus, you've got the Holy Spirit ready to, to befriend you, as, he, as the Scripture tells us, one who sticks closer than a brother. That is a dimension that we need to discover, we need to, to, to plumb the depths of, we need to continue to develop at a, a greater capacity, because it's through those avenues of intimacy and personal relationship that so much more is going to be unlocked about your life. Look, stop looking to the world, stop reading magazines and the internet, stop looking to anyone to try to inspire you, stop looking to, 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 to anything other than a personal relationship with God, out of which will grow some amazing passions, amazing creativity, amazing ideas, things that you're going to laugh about, and we'll laugh with you because we'll say, where did you come up with that? God. And in the context of the kingdom of God, and more likely right here at Valley Community Church, where we can get behind you, where we can turn you loose, and, and we're going to talk a lot more about that next week. But man, if we're experiencing a leanness of soul, a lightness, of a purposelessness, it's because, I mean, don't, don't pass go, don't collect $200, go no way another way to play. It's because your ear is not listening to his voice. Develop that ability to hear him. And you'll hear the secrets of the kingdom. <laughs> I mean, why would we not want to get to know the wisest most powerful, most knowledgeable being 
that we have access to, very purely and simply. Fourth step is we've got to evaluate our values. To move forward to 2017, we need to be less concerned about our specific sins that we committed in 2016. Okay, because that, that is so, that's so base. <laughs> that's so basic Christianity. Paul even rebuked the church, or who, well, whoever wrote Hebrews. Just, man, can we, just, can we move on from that? Can we move on from the repentance of sins? But it seems sometimes that churches get stuck in this cycle that it's just all we ever talk about is sin. Sin, 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 sin. You're sinful. No, you're sinful. Hey, let's talk about sin. Why would we want to do that? Jesus died on the cross for our sin. Now, do we need to clarify what sin is? You know what? Sometimes we do. And sometimes it gets so stinking hard that as each level of culture and as, as everybody kind of what's not, never really new under the sun, but it comes out clothed differently, smelling, tasting a little differently, that we have to go back and say, hey, do we have to do this again? But as a pastor, I do. Have to get... Sexual sin is wrong. Okay. And I point you to the scriptures that point that out. And, and judgment is wrong. Gossip is wrong. Sometimes we have to do that, and that's okay. But it'd make it a whole lot easier if we just all read our Bibles every single day, and we didn't have to go back over that again. But we do. And so that's no problem. We're going to move on. But, but we should be less concerned about specific sins and more about our specific beliefs that lead to these sins. Although, as is right here, confessing our sin is both necessary and powerfully freeing. But check this out, what, Phil, what, what Paul says before the verses that I read earlier. Check this out. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. In other words, all the wonderful things that he did, how knowledgeable he was. He was a Pharisee among Pharisees. He was well-trained. He was well-positioned. This guy had everything that a human would want in his position. He says, I consider all a loss. Now think about that. A degree that you have. A position that you've gained. A place of honor. None that counts for nothing. When people get to heaven, they're going to pull out that they were a congressman. Well, didn't you know I was this? Didn't you know I was a king? Didn't you know I did this and this and this and this? Uh, no, I just got one question for you. Did you know Christ? It's the only question going to be asked on that day, my friends. There'll be no creed, no credential, no progeny, no nothing. Do you know the Savior? But whatever we were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Whoa, that's a value. That's a value right there. Nothing I personally have is of real value to me. The most valuable thing is my personal relationship with Jesus Christ and my daily connection to him. Everything else is nothing because I can't take it with me. He says, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. He says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, 
And I'm going to just stop right there. This is my point. This last point is we need to focus on our values, folks. Why are we making the choices we are making? I'm going to, get a, I'm going to dig a little deeper in here now. This is going to be a sore spot. What are we doing with our money? What are we doing with our time? What are we doing with our, our thinking and our thought life? What are we doing in our relationships? Look, none of what you do religiously, what nothing that you have done in worship today, the fact that you even showed up counts for nothing, my friends, but what counts is your personal, personal, individual connection to the Savior. And where you are in your value system, when you walk out those doors, the choices that you make, how you're raising your children. Just being a pastor does not make my children automatic followers of Christ. I don't just say, look, I'm a pastor, so you're just going to ping. doesn't happen. I have to teach them a value system. We have to talk about Scripture at a different level. We have, to, we have to walk together as a family as we bring the challenges. We have to, you know, more than anything, what my goal is is when Tate and Meredith and Liddy and Ben and Andrew all leave, that they're loaded up with a value system, with truth. Not just because Daddy believed it. And so these are the very areas that if you're going to move on to 2017, my friends, if you're going to forget about what your failures were in the past, if there's anything, think about the future and say, okay, am I kingdom focused? Am I going to use the resources of my life, my breath, my energy, my time to pour into my children with the love of Christ to, to help them get where they've got to go? to pour into my marriage, to pour into myself. When you think of 2016, don't feel badly about what you did wrong. Take time to ask God why. And he's ready to listen. He's ready to tell you. Because often we don't get to that point. Isn't that true? We usually just say, Lord, forgive me. Maybe we even say the little incantation. Lord, you know, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. And we just move on. But what's better is to say, Lord, please forgive me. God, I need to know why. Why do I keep doing this? What's going on inside me? And let him take you there. Because the beauty is once we get to this, you know, not just dealing with the symptoms, but getting at the core of our value system, that's when we really start to change. That's when we really can look at 2017 with a greater hope. Because once we've offered that to God, the deepest parts of who we are to God, guess what? He's going to work in there. It's not going to be me. It's not going to be you. We've got to invite him in. When God shows you what it is that in your value system he wants to change, pray over it this month. Bring it to him. Write it down. Pray and prepare. Write down what God shows you and return to his direction uh, often, whatever he shows you and how to deal with that value, misdirection. At least once per month, this, throughout the whole year, do a life direction check because smaller value adjustments are easier to make when the cost is much smaller. And as a pastor and as, as a brother, I can tell you, take my word for it, because big course changes are much harder. 
man, take some time. Every month, just take a time, some, some time to yourself and say, Lord, where am I on what you showed me at the first of the year? During that time of prayer and fasting, you said I needed to focus on this, this, and this. Where am I this month? Have I just completely forgotten it? Have I gotten off, off the mark? As I said, man, the little changes. Honey, I think we're spending too much time watching television. Honey, I think we need to go on more walks and, and take some time to pray. We need to get back to doing some of the things that were really bringing life to us as a family, life to me as an individual. Nobody's there to condemn you for that. You're not going to be on loser of the month and we put your face up on the screen. Just joking. I hope that's never happened, but anyway. Nope, it's not going to happen. And God is never going to leave you. He's never going to reject you. He died for you. We just got to keep bringing, him to, bringing it to him. Amen? That's how we can properly prepare for this coming year. Amen? Let's stand up this morning.